Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hi guys, welcome back to the Ready to Thrive podcast. I'm so glad you're here. And this is such an important topic. This week we are talking about overcoming overwhelm and specifically talking about physical clutter. So physical, actual, tangible stuff. Next week we're going to dive into clutter in a head and heart level. But this week I just want to talk about how many of us can get to a place where feels like we don't own things, but our things own us. They own us by the amount of time we spend simply dealing with our stuff on a regular basis. And we can spend so much of our time cleaning up our stuff or searching through excess clutter to find what we actually use and need. I don't know if you've ever been there. But just the sheer volume of our stuff can put us in an overwhelmed state. And there's been a lot of research that shows that clutter has a negative effect on our brain and our general well-being. It is often referred to as visual noise, which essentially means that looking at clutter can have the same effect on our eyes and brain as hearing loud noises for an extended period of time. It makes it hard for us to truly relax. And I don't know if you can relate, but I have often felt like I can't sit down on the couch at the end of the night until my kitchen is clean. Now, I will if I'm exhausted and I know my husband is going to clean it, but it's just not as relaxing as sitting sitting down in a messy space as it is when things are clean. Can I get an amen? We can often feel like we are always cleaning, yet never really clean or organized. And this often causes me to feel overwhelmed. Now, I don't know if you've caught that show on Netflix, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. I read her book. I think it's called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Um, I think it was when it came out in 2014, but it didn't really work for me. My house wasn't magically clean. It wasn't magically tidier. And I'm not saying her techniques don't work or aren't effective, but I remember thinking after reading this book, I don't think this woman has kids. And nothing against Marie, and I think she actually does have kids now, but the book itself didn't really help me move forward in my desire to go from chaos organized. I did manage to catch an episode of her show and I love that she has people decide to keep things based on whether or not they spark joy. But sometimes that isn't really helpful because some of the items I need in my bathroom, my kitchen don't spark any joy, but I need them. So I want to move from beyond simply looking at what sparks joy and asking a few other helpful questions to help you dig out from the clutter you might find yourself in. I remember when I first became a mom, I kept hearing people say things like embrace the chaos or a messy house shows you're a good mom. So I tried to embrace the mess. I tried to be okay with things not really being tidy. Or I heard this sentiment that you had to choose between living a full life and getting out and having fun with your family, or you can have a clean home. And none of those sat right for me. I thought, can't I have a clean house and still enjoy my life and my kids? 
And I think the answer is yes. At least it has been for me. So first I want to tell you where I'm coming from. Even before having kids, my husband and I could not seem to get a hold of our stuff. We had a spare room in our house that became this dumping ground for everything that I would one day get a handle on. Of course, one day never really came. Our bedroom was always a bomb. And I honestly have no idea why at that point in our lives, we couldn't put our clothes away or in a laundry basket. They would just pile up on the floor and every available surface would be covered with papers and knickknacks. And when I was pregnant with our first, I had this scary moment where I woke up in the middle of the night, one night with this crazy pain in my side. And in a panic, I called my midwife and she said it sounded like kidney stones or something like that. So I should call 911 and just get it checked out. So I remember sitting in my room as the paramedics came in. It was about two in the morning and I thought, I'm so embarrassed that my room is such a disaster. I need to keep it clean from now on in case this ever happens again. And I love that in the midst of this crazy panic of not knowing what was going on with me or my baby, I still had time to be concerned about the state of my bedroom. So that is where, that's where we started. We weren't really dirty people who didn't clean ever. I cleaned things. It was just that organization really hurt my brain and I would get overwhelmed and just stop. And one thing I realized about keeping things organized is that things need places to live. When groceries come in the house, I don't leave them strewn all over the kitchen and living room. They go into their home, into the fridge or the pantry, or if they're a frozen item, into the freezer. It's a no-brainer. It literally doesn't take any thought or brain power to know how to put my groceries away. But often when new things come into the house, like gifts or paperwork, or that cool thing I saw at Target that I was so sure that I needed, then I'm a bit stumped. There's no home for these things. I don't know where to put them or what to do with them. So I do what I think a lot of people do. I either create piles to deal with later, or I shove them somewhere where I often simply just forget to deal with them at all. And this is clutter. This is how it happens. And it's endless, especially if you have kids. Don't even get me started on the things that my kids bring home. Crafts, paperwork, precious things they find during a walk, birthday party loot bags, the list just goes on and on. And I think it makes a lot of sense that a lot of us feel like we are drowning in clutter. It also makes a lot of sense that dealing with clutter is so overwhelming that so many of us just don't. We don't know where to begin and we lose momentum before we actually achieve success. And we can just succumb to something called decision fatigue, which is where we have difficulty making good decisions because we simply are worn out from making too many decisions. So my hope is to break down a few things for you to help you think about clutter a little differently and be able to finally find freedom from drowning in all your stuff. So where do we begin when it is so overwhelming? First of all, I think there are three different things that will help. One is creating some systems for things that come your way regularly, such as paperwork. The second is how we actually go about decluttering or purging. And the third is actually changing our mindset towards the things we acquire. And because this is turning out to be a longer episode than planned, I'm just going to talk about systems today 
and do a part two to discuss the rest. So let's dive in talking about systems. When I was first looking into decluttering, my husband was telling me about how often it's difficult to solve a problem while you're in the middle of it. But if you can step out of the problem and look at it from the outside in, it's much easier to be inspired to solve it. I think of it this way. When I'm standing in my kitchen, looking at the island with paper, uh, papers everywhere, a pile of Valentine's cards, notes from my kids, that scrap of paper that I wrote that, inspirational notes from that webinar, uh, I'm not really in the right headspace to figure it out. But if I head out for a walk or I go to a coffee shop and clear my head a bit and spend some time thinking about how to solve the problem, I often have some sort of aha moment. I find with systems, it doesn't necessarily help to follow what someone else does because we all have different ways in which we operate. But (coughs) it is key to figure out what works for you. My kids are still pretty young, so for the most part, they don't have any idea that I recycle 99% of their cards and artwork. The other 1% goes into one box. It's a clear storage bin with hanging files and I just chuck whatever thing is that I want to keep into that bin. Each child has their own bin and my hope is that that will be their bin from birth to graduation. At least this is the hope. They're still young. I throw a bunch of stuff in there each year and then I annually sort through what will stay and what will go. And my oldest knows about the bin so if there's something special she wants to keep, She asks me to throw it in there for her. And we've talked about how we can't keep every single thing in life or we'd be drowning in our stuff. And I'll talk about this more in the next podcast, but involving our kids in the decluttering um, process is key to actually getting a handle on kids stuff. But it also helps, helps them begin to know how to make those decisions for themselves and they get to practice. And there's this temptation to keep every one of our kids sentimental items And I'm not against keeping things. I love that I have special things in my kids' boxes that remind me of a moment in their childhood. But if everything is special, then nothing is really special, if that makes sense. And systems doesn't just relate to paperwork. I found it very helpful as a first step to sit down and write a list of all the things that are overwhelming me. What is the thing that's driving you crazy? What seems to constantly cause clutter? What doesn't have a home? Just pick one of those things and spend some time outside of your home daydreaming about how to solve it. Getting it out of my head and onto paper is helpful. It helps me view the problem from the outside and begin to work on finding solutions. When it comes to clothing, my husband does a great job with the one in one out rule. If he gets a new dress shirt, he gets rid of one. Now, I can't do this. This doesn't work for me, at least not in my closet. But that's another great example of a system. And another system can be if we look at laundry. I don't know if you've ever battled Laundry Mountain. I know I have often been there. And so there's a lot of different laundry systems. For some people, they do a load of laundry every day, either in the morning or every night. And they don't even have to think about it. They don't need to make a conscious decision to do laundry because it's part of their routine. And I mentioned decision fatigue earlier. And part of the laundry battle can be in just making the decision to do the laundry itself. 
When you develop routines, you don't need to consciously think about, um, sorry, when you develop routines, you don't need to consciously think about, you no longer waste the brain energy of trying to decide to do it, which is often half the battle. Now, I don't love unloading the dishwasher, but I can actually spend more time thinking about whether or not I have the energy to unload it than the time it actually takes to do it. Sometimes you actually need to time yourself in some of these mundane tasks to realize they don't actually take that long or that much energy. It actually helps you to have a routine you don't have to think about. For those people doing a load of laundry every morning, they have already decided to fold it and put it away again without even thinking about it. So they don't have to waste energy deciding when to do it. And they don't end up having a laundry mountain pile up. Now, maybe doing a load of laundry every day sounds awful to you. So that would not be a great system to implement. But what could you do? What could work for you? I've started washing my husband and my laundry separately from the kids' clothes. I used to wash them all together, but then I spent an unnecessary amount of time sorting through the entire family's clothes as I folded. Just making this simple change has saved me a great amount of time and brain power. And I don't know if you've seen this meme that says, no one is more full of false hope than a mom who places items on the stairs for her family to carry up. I laugh so hard because this is so true. For the longest time, we would end up with piles of clothes in the stairway, piles of clothes on their floor, and basically piles just about everywhere. And I was so sick of being the only one to deal with these clothes. And every night I just felt so overwhelmed by it. Like this felt like this was going to be the death of me. So after sharing with my husband that this problem was affecting me, we came up with an idea, something to try. He coined this jingle, clothes away today. And because my kids are young, they thought it was awesome. Rather than shouting at my kids to put their clothes away or in the laundry basket each night, I could simply say, clothes away today. And they were much more eager to participate. Now, it did take some time to make it into a routine. And we have often fallen away and had to refocus on this aspect. But we stumbled upon a system and it worked. And really, it wasn't anything extravagant. It just took talking about the problem and thinking about it in a different way. When you're able to step away for a second and think about your problem, you will have a renewed energy to try something out. And here's the thing, it might not work. And that's okay, because even trying it will give you some momentum about how to solve it. Ask others who know your space for ideas. Check out Pinterest for inspiration. And it doesn't mean you need to go out and buy fancy bins or organizers. I bought this tall rolling cabinet with about nine drawers in it for my kids' craft supplies one year. It was awesome. I put all the girls' stuff in it, and I was super organized and excited. It took all of one day for everything to be totally in the wrong bins and the bins themselves not even to be sliding properly. It took me longer than it should have to admit defeat, and thankfully, I was able to return the item. But I don't regret it. I learned that that system probably doesn't work for my family, so I tried something else. You need to embrace failure as feedback. It tells you what doesn't work so great, so you can try something else and see if that does. The thing with systems is that the more you try things out, the more you will be open 
to possibilities of trying new and different solutions. The more you'll be inspired to see what actually works. And as your kids grow, you will continually be changing your systems anyways. So it helps to think of systems as seasonal. This is what works for us right now in this fall or this spring or this year. But next year, when one more kid is in school, we'll need to try something else. And sometimes a system almost works. It just needs a small tweak. Talk about your systems with your spouse and with your kids. When everyone is on board and understands the system, there is a greater chance of success. If your kids are young, you might be surprised at how they embrace the idea of systems. Kids love structure and systems and knowing how things operate and where things go. Okay, (coughs) so that has been a lot for today. I hope this has been helpful for you as you think about how to make your home more organized and decluttered. On the next episode, I'll talk about what questions we need to ask when we tackle the stuff itself, and I'll help you know where to begin, where not to begin, and some classic purging mistakes. Thanks for spending your time with me. I am hopeful this is taking you one step closer to thriving. Okay, I lied. One more thing. I do want to give you a little activation for this week. So what I want you to do is just pick one space in your home. It doesn't have to be a whole room. It could be a shelf. It could be a drawer. But one space that you know just isn't really working for you right now. So something that's just a little bit too cluttery or the system it may have worked before. It's just not working right now. So pick one space. And I just want you to spend some time thinking about it. You don't have to do anything about it right now. Just think about it. Maybe go for a walk, head to a coffee shop, try to think, what is something I could do differently in this space that would help it work a little bit more smoothly? So that is the activation for this week. And if you get a little bit further, you can actually try to tackle that space. And I'd love to hear if that worked for you. You can um, contact me um, over at Jacqueline. That's not true. You can. Just find me over at Instagram, Jacqueline.Widener. Send me a message. I love to hear um, how you tackle the space this week. All right, take care. Thanks for joining me today. If you'd like to connect more, you can find me hanging out on Instagram at Jacqueline.Widener. This has been an Extend Network production.